right, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And we're your hosts. I'm the experienced veteran. And I'm the Voyagin. <laughs> we ask every week mm-hmm. for reviews and ratings, and you guys are doing it, which is yeah. awesome. It's super helpful for us. So keep doing it. We love reading these and we love that it, it, it exposes more people to the podcast yeah so this one is from a parson's wife is a five-star review mm-hmm. which is the only reviews we will accept <laughs> i love this podcast the dynamic between the two of you coupled with your hilarious and realistic reviews of the romances has put it in my top three. Ooh, i want to know what we're up there with what's one well and two? by saying yeah i was gonna say by saying top three that Automatically makes us three, but that's fine. Oh, yeah. We I'll love take that. Top three. I'll oh, take I'll take it. top five. I'll take top yeah. ten. It's great. I've <laughs> fallen for you both as quickly as Derek Craven fell for Sarah's luscious breasts. And I've poured over several Lisa Claypass books because of you two. Keep up the great work. Aw. She's good people. I mean, anyone who can bring up Derek and Sarah's tits in one review but also this is a good time to talk about we're going to do a mailbag episode soon yes so if you have questions concerns notes you want to just email us in we'll we'll read them on air and then we'll answer them or react to them or however you'd like us to to move forward with it we want to have a special thing so that if people want to hear more about us or thoughts on stuff then Mm -hmm. we can have that separate episode which i think will be fun yeah we'll see if you guys like it what did we read this week we read the black lily by juliet cross like a fist to the chest he couldn't breathe she was bewitching enchanting and he was utterly lost in her amber gold eyes which held his with complete unwavering confidence. She made her way past Frederick and passed her invitation card to the announcer. Marius absorbed every move, the glide of her arm, the bend of her wrist, and the subtle turn of her body to face him. When she inhaled a deep breath and dipped into a small curtsy, not reverent, but respectful, he could hardly form a thought. The soft scent of rain and wildflowers wafted toward him, speeding his heart rate to racing, his mouth watered, canines extending, aching. The announcer called her name, and Marius listened attentively. Lady Grace Constance Merriweather, daughter of the Earl of Lakeland of the Bridgerton Province. In that instant, he knew, without a shadow of a doubt, who would be his new blood concubine. Um, and so this is the first of the Vampire Blood series. And it was written in 2017, and she has since written four books, which is insane. That's nuts. I would like to say to Juliet Cross, take a breather. <laughs> <laughs> Relax. Yep. Look at the sun. Or look at the moon. Look at the moon. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at the sun. It's it's You got to stay on brand. <laughs> Let's judge this cover. I love this cover. Mm-hmm. This is also the first cover where the man on the front has been who I pictured as the hero the whole time. Okay. Because I feel like a lot of time they use stock photos or something and they don't describe them the same way. And it ends up being something different. But I was picturing him as the main character the whole time. I think it's really sexy. I love there's like a gothic castle in the background. He's down by the castle gates, wrought iron. And then just his expression with his just like the casualness of opening up his shirt, just like, 
Oh, hey, you want to look at these? Yeah, really? Oh, you want this? <laughs> He's a hunk. <laughs> He's a hunk and a half. I yes. did expect him to be a little more gaunt, though. Why? Do, Why gaunt? Well, a little bit more, like, less beefy. Not that he's super beefy, but I was, with vampires, I always think of a skinnier, more lithe. Is that a, a, an actual word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that kind of look. He looks like he does, like, he uses the Nautilus a little bit. Not that there's anything wrong with that. What's the Nautilus? It's like a, it's a weight machine. Oh, I thought it was, like, the shell. The shell? <laughs> What shell? There's a shell called the Nautilus, and it's like it's like the perfect ratio cell, shell. They always use it where it's like a spiral. Oh no! No, this is different. How would he use that? I don't know. That's why I. <laughs> that's asked. why we were both so confused. <laughs> Mutual confusion uh, uh, on learning uh. the tropes, but uh, but otherwise, I mean, he's a fox. Come on. Yes, love great cover, and all the covers in this series are great. I don't have much experience with vampire fiction mm-hmm. other just than fact, j- just fact, <laughs> just the experiences I've had with vampires mm-hmm. in my personal life. No, I have not. I've seen vampire movies like I saw a few of the Twilight movies. I saw Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola movie, you know, the basic things that most people have been uh, exposed to, but I haven't. I don't seek out vampire fiction. So this is uh, new for me. Mm-hmm. I'm a virgin, if you will. Oh. Why don't you tell us what happened in this book and then we can get into it because we have lots of opinions and thoughts. Okay. This book is about Annabelle. Nope. Is about Arabelle. <laughs> Start from the top. This book is about Arabelle, who is a peasant... But she is secretly the leader of a faction called the Black Lily. She is, in fact, referred to as the Black Lily. And she is somebody who is fighting the powers that be, which are the vampires who run this world. She's our heroine and our hero or becomes the hero is Prince Morris, who is a vampire. He's about to turn 100 and he needs to get wed on its 100th birthday because it's a whole vampire thing. But she goes to this dance at the glass tower where all these women are trying to get bit by vampires, but especially him. They want to get bit by him. It's consolation prize if they get bit by other vampires. So she shows up to kill him. She's had this whole plan mapped out. She shows up. She seduces him, tries to stab him in the heart, and she misses And then after that, he gets intoxicated by her and he follows her. And it's this whole thing about him figuring out that, oh, geez, this kingdom of vampires might not be on the up and up because Mm -hmm. he finds out that there's been some murders happening and the vampires are the are the number one suspects. So that's pretty much what this book is about. Great job yeah so but the past couple episodes i have been uh reading like the whatever the book flap was and this was me just doing it on the fly because the feedback we got was they missed non-flapping they don't want yeah they don't want me flapping on the podcast and they like to see me struggle (laughs) 
I think was the consensus. And I don't think I struggled. So sorry. (laughs) It is always funny because it's interesting what you think is important versus what I would highlight. What would you highlight there? I don't know. You did just say the beginning pretty much, but that like the, the ball was specifically for him to find a blood concubine, which is basically this like harem of people that vampires keep that are human that they like drink off of to not, uh, because they have to drink human blood. Well, the vampires in this world are more civilized than some of the vampires previous, uh, to them, right? They used to be monsters who would just murder people. And then they decided, Hey, we're just going to suck the blood of the willing and live off that and not be monsters. So that's why when they start finding dead bodies, the uprising begins because they're like, wait, uh, we don't like our vampire overlords when they kill us. We just like when they slowly suck us dry. No, but they don't suck the, the blood concubines dry. They end up going off on their own. Yeah. And also still. they talk about <clears throat> she talks about how humans have different experiences based off of like the the blood sucking. We're like. Some people get really frenzied and sexual. Some people get scared. Some people this and that. So it's like it could be you enjoy the experience yourself. Ostensibly they do. Yeah. But something that when we met for the first uh, – at first this today, you mentioned that these were the nicest vampires you had ever yeah, they're, read. They're, well, they're very reasonable. Mm-hmm. They can be spoken to. They understand the plight of the black lily. There was a lot of people who when they were – when they would talk about the black lily – the vampires would say, yeah, I gotta see their point. Arabelle's mother was murdered mm-hmm. by a vampire. And also her first love died killing a vampire. Because gold can kill them. We don't really hear about crosses or garlic. They don't turn into bats. <laughs> they <laughs> don't. I don't know if they can see the reflection or not. They don't sparkle in they the sunshine. They don't sparkle in the sunshine. They don't. She never really goes into the only coming, like how light affects them, which I was okay with. Cause I do always find that a bit tiring. Yeah. It's so restrictive. Yeah. And so she just never made mention of it. And I was like, Oh, I like it. It's fine. Yeah. Let's just have them go out in the light. Arabelle, she is the leader of this uprising, the Black Lily. Uh It started basically when her boyfriend was murdered. I mean, and something that I do love about this book is that she was not a virgin and it was not a thing. Yes. He didn't care. She didn't care. You're talking about her and the prince, right? Her and the prince, Prince yeah. But this was also the first book that like 70% in, I mean like 80% in, I was like, she's not going to be able to pull this off. This is not going to be happily ever after. How can this possibly happen? I was like stressing about it. It was a trepidation because her best friend and confidant, Deke, got ripped to shreds by (laughs) vampires around that time because there hadn't been any real killings. So Deke earlier, he was friends with Arabella and he, uh, Arabelle, and he was part of the Black Lily. Yeah. And he's the blacksmith. Uh-huh. They come, the prince comes to try and find Arabelle because he didn't die from the stabbing like she thought he did. And he's going to look for her. Now, his uh, Nikolai, who is his second in command, uh, the prince's second in command, was thinking, oh, we're looking for this woman to try and kill her, but he was looking for her to, because he was infatuated with her. The sense of her 
she was smelled like rain flowers. Right. And like she was just sweet to him. And he refers to her as somebody who could be his honey blood, which is a human that has the sweetest blood. And it's basically a faded mate situation. Mm -hmm. So he's looking for her. Deke is is like taunting them. He's got his gold tooth, which gold is outlawed because it can kill the vampires. So the vampires have all the gold. So Deke has his little tooth and he's smirking and they break his arm. Basically, I thought they were going to kill him then. So when they didn't kill him, I thought, oh, they're really not going to kill anybody. But they at the end, they kill him and very, very like graphically, which I thought was cool. And then they kill another character, Mary, in a very disturbing way. Uh, So that they it did get bloody. Yeah. Yeah, which I liked. I I liked how bloody it got, but I was I was I was worried that there wasn't going to be death because death would raise the stakes. This seemed like a very low key rebellion. Well, I guess one or two of the vampires died when they shot him with the arrows, like the gold tipped mm-hmm. arrows. But we don't see it, and it's not really played up as a huge deal. Yeah, we don't really even know their names, so it doesn't matter really. Yeah, like we're not sad when they die. No, um, I'm never sad when a vampire dies. Well, why don't you talk about your big theory about... Well, we'll talk about it later. Okay. We'll talk about it later when we talk about tropes. Oh, okay. Because that way people can just fast forward through if they don't want to hear my bullshit. (laughs) So this is also like a Cinderella retelling. Like we... (laughs) Well, I'm trying to figure out... Your face. Yeah. Yeah. So Arabelle is Cinderella. Yeah. But there's no... There's no slipper no i mean it's not a literal retelling but like it's supposed to be like she works at that house for the woman and the two stepdaughters okay she goes to the ball and then disappears at midnight through the ball at a certain point she's like when she's going in the carriage there she goes past a pumpkin field like oh there's allusions to cinderella i guess yeah and they're all the four books in these the series are all like fairy tale retelling sort of a thing oh okay so anyway arabelle hates the people that she works for and she refers to the woman as a witch and i was like "Ooh, a witch like we have vampires now we have witches like i love it but then she just meant bitch and i was like oh you can't do that in a mystical world because i'm just gonna assume it's actually a witch like you can't call a woman a witch as a bad thing because i'm gonna think they're actually witches yeah and then and they should just not not genderize it and just call her an asshole <laughs> yeah that's what i strive to do just to call everyone an asshole everybody's an asshole now yeah so yeah. the witch is not a gender term warlock is a male witch yeah yeah so a witch is a male witch which is a male witch is yeah. that really? Yeah, men can be witches. But aren't they warlocks? No. Okay, I'm getting into a territory I probably shouldn't. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I spent last night at a full moon circle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, why didn't you talk about that at the beginning of the show? You didn't ask. <laughs> well, I didn't assume that you would have been at a full moon circle. Yeah, I was at a full moon circle last night. But wasn't the... Was that the Wolf Moon, the Super Blood? No, that wolf was moon? the Eclipse, which was on um, Sunday. So, were you there for that too? No. Okay. I mean, no, I, I'm not made of. I'm not made of sage. I'm going to go to two in two days. Yeah, that would be ridiculous <laughs> to go to two. Yeah. So wait, why were you at this ceremony? Because it's nice to like mark the full moon, and then it's like it was a bunch of women women coming together, and you sort of talk about what the moon means to you, and it's a nice thing to do. Set intentions for the next month, 
when you have the full moon out, that's sort of, it's a time to like set intentions and put things into motion. So did you find this on Meetup or something? How did you <laughs> come across this? It's a, it's a, a center called Maha Rose and okay. they do different things like this. Nice. Do you know other people? Did you go with some friends? Yeah. I went with my friend Tamara. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. And then... And where was my invite to this moon circle? You'll come next time. Nice. You'd be the only boy there. But Will I be the only boy? Yeah. Well, you know, maybe I should just sit on my couch, like yeah. we talked about in the previous episode. Just leave this one out. Uh, you know, I don't have to have everything. No. It's nice to have just a woman's space. I can see the moon from my window. <laughs> I thought for sure Nikolai, for a while there, I thought he, something was up with him. Just because... In these kind of books, it is somebody related to the hero that betrays. And in this book, it turns out to be bad mom. She's a bad mom. We spoil everything. Yeah. yeah. And she also ends up being the first vampire. Yeah, which you thought the first vampire was a man. Oh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. That's what she wanted you to think. That was cool. To have a figurehead. Mm-hmm. And the idea that the first anything would be a band is a joke. Yeah, because we're... They come from. Yeah. They got to come from a a lady. Right. So I like that. And I like that she was like, yeah, of course, I'm just going to make a guy be the figurehead. And then I'm just going to pull the strings. Yeah. So that was cool. But she sucked. She was mean. I didn't like her. This book is very much setting up. Like, because it ended, it did have a happily. I would say it didn't have a happily ever after. It did have a happily for now. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like there's still a lot of big, big questions we have. They ended up together. They ended up married and seemingly in love, which is very nice. But it was definitely like uh, there was a lot of seeds planted that didn't grow, like that you need to keep reading. It seems like it's like the bigger uh, war that gets started. Well, we found out that the reason the vampires were killing the peasants was because they had a blood fever, Mm -hmm. right? That made them crazy and they couldn't control their bloodlust. And so they were just eating people. And the mom knew about it. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge betrayal. So he is basically now part of the Black Lily. Yeah. And that I thought was, I kind of thought the mom was going to have something to do with it. Because she was very dismissive of Arabelle. But you would be. Because Arabelle was this person who was threatening their way of life. Um, and he was so, he was so oblivious. He was. He, would, he was a little dumb dumb. He was, yeah. He would go around with Nikolai and be asking villagers questions about people and places. And he would be, why are you so scared? Don't be scared. It's like, that. that, that is the prince. This is, number one, a vampire. Mm-hmm. Number two, your ruler, or one of your rulers, coming to you and saying, where is this person? Don't worry, I'm not going to hurt you. Well, what are you going to do with this person when you find them? I, I would not, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything. I'd get a lawyer, a lawyer up. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I don't know if they had lawyers back then, but they could have used it. But it's also like he would have grown up in like a gilded tower. Like well, you understand why he would just be like not worldly in the least. So it, but it makes you think about the world where if you're somebody who is complicit in a system, but you're ignorant of how it's oppressing other people, mm-hmm. does that make you innocent? I don't mm. think so. Yeah. And the fact that Arabelle, this strong warrior, just started fucking him, upset me. 
Really? Because I think she's great. And I love a badass heroine. I love somebody who is fighting the power, right? No pussy for the man. We've said this before. No mm-hmm. pussy for the man. And she gave the pussy to the man. Mm. He was made to be ignorant so that they could fall in love. It was done on purpose that the vampires weren't all that bad. They only were in this system and our hero now realizes the system is wrong. So he's a hero. And then he starts fighting against the system. Yeah. But he's yeah. still a vampire and he's still got the bloodlust. You can't change who you are. I know. I mean, that's why it's like, what is going to happen long term with these two? It's hard to say. I don't like vampires. Mm. I like this book mm-hmm. and I thought the sex was very sexy. Yes. And I was kind of into him biting her and fucking her at the same time. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. But there's something about the fact that he's always going to want to suck blood. He can't help it. He's going to have to do it. That makes this, like you said, not a happy ending. Yeah. Unless he can be cured. Maybe they can be. Because also, I don't get the appeal of living forever. Oh, I don't either. Of immortality. Like, I feel like if you offered me immortality, I'd be like, now I'm cool. I think 80 years, 100 years, and and that'll be good for me. I would have to be in a robot body. I wouldn't want to be in a flesh and blood body. Even if you were at your prime. If they, like, froze you at your prime. And I would always be in my prime? Yeah. My prime wasn't that great. <laughs> like, whose prime? I mean, were, was I working out and eating well and being like, okay, freeze me now. Yeah. Freeze me now. Yeah. No, no. I don't want the physical body. I want to be a robot. I don't want to be a robot. I want, I want my brain in a robot body. Because no. then you just never age. You don't age if you're frozen. But when they unfreeze me, I'll start aging. You're not going to get unfrozen. I'm not going to get unfrozen. Then why am I frozen? What are you talking about? Like if they are just like you at whatever your ideal age was. Oh, you mean like just 27 frozen. and then you're just like you don't age from that moment. Oh, you don't mean like physically frozen. No, I don't mean physically like, frozen. Oh, that's what that because I thought you meant you mean my body is frozen in time in the sense that I never age. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't like physical bodies as much. I mean, they're just so much maintenance. <laughs> it is. It's a lot. But there wouldn't be because you like you couldn't die. Yeah, but would I still get like pimples and stuff? No. No. Clean skin. Clean skin. I'd look like this guy on the cover. Yeah. I'd say, hey. Oh, no under shirt, shirt and clean skin. I didn't even notice my shirt was open. <laughs> Though then I'd take that, of course. Yeah. But that's not super realistic. I mean, I think it's more realistic pr- for my brain to be in a, a, a like a metal I don't want to upload my consciousness to anything. Why? Because you think people could tap into it? No, just because, like, uh, it's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like I'll It's just, enough with these gadgets. It's enough. I feel like when it's time for me to go, I'll be like, it's enough. So you don't want to live forever? No. No, I don't get the appeal of it. So what if producer Patty lived forever? Would you allow him to remarry? Yeah. Okay. He couldn't love her as much as me. I'd make sure that happened. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pat's like, sure. (laughs) Would you? Yes. Both. Both. Yeah. I would fuck Arabelle 
But I would not. No, you're lying. Not fuck the prince. You're lying. Nope, I don't like vampires. I don't want to be bit. Blood skeeves me but out. He didn't have to bite you if he had sex with you. Oh, he would. Come on. You're telling me he wouldn't bite me? Of course he'd bite me. You think you have honey blood? Listen, I'm not saying I have honey blood. I'm just saying that he can't help himself. No, he helped himself. He fucked her. He finger banged her. Didn't do it. And then they had like a really hot makeout session and he didn't do it. That was twice. And then she did it because he got injured. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We were just showing the fingers that he put inside her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what was the question also you asked me downstairs? Oh, oh, is this the first uh, is this the first book we've had where the hero fingers the heroine to completion? Yeah. And I, I think it know. is. Yeah. It's hard for me to say because I've read that scene, a lot of fingering scenes. So it's hard to like parse them out. What was for the podcast and what was just for for me. Yeah. Aaron's quote was. I've read a lot of books with fingering, which is really good because there was like people walking by when she said it. Um, but it's true. I'm so desensitized to that now. I know. It's you really funny. can't shame me with sex because I'm just like, oh, yeah, I guess if that's what you want to yeah, do. Yeah, I just fine. read the filthiest thing right before you came up to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I do think because a lot of the heroes uh, go down on the girls and uh-huh. perform conolingus. They don't finger them unless there's a finger involved with the conolingus, right? But I don't think any of the books we've had, like, a, a full-on finger bang. I mean, she was so attracted to him mm-hmm. that – I mean, but she didn't want to be. There was so much shame involved with it. But I never felt ashamed for her. That was the big thing that was good about this book, too. I think the author did a good job because I was upset that she was this badass just symbol of fighting oppression, but she was having sex with the person that the one person she shouldn't have. Yeah. And I could see that being hot, but I was like, oh man, this is going to, this is really not on brand. You're being real Deke about all this. Well, okay. Let's talk about Deke. So Deke walks in after... They yeah. fucked after uh, the prince and her fucked. And Deke, of course, is like, what is going on? <laughs> he is the enemy. Did he take advantage of you? Or I don't know. He maybe didn't even ask. He was like, did you just fuck the prince? And she goes, why are you upset? It's not your cock. Yeah. And <laughs> such a power move. And yeah, it was so ba- ballsy. And Deke was just like. Take it back. He's like, you really know clutching how to hurt. Clutching his pearls. Yeah, he was clutching his pearls, and he was like, you really know how to hurt a guy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's like, I just, you know, if I was fucking the enemy, you probably would say, hey, what's up, bro? <laughs> so that was nuts. But we were talking earlier, which that's what I liked about this, was that she was so powerful and strong that they were equals. She gave him, she fucking said some bad shit to him, but it wasn't ever a threat of him retaliating against her like physically or anything like that he was just kind of hurt and i like that aspect of it where and then they talk it out yeah they talk it out like adults and i did think that was realistic because she was ashamed embarrassed that this you know deke saw her fucking the enemy and so she lashed out at him which a lot of people do but i also liked that they did hash it out afterwards that was really cool and also i liked that there was no threat of sexual assault at all this entire book Mm -hmm. it was such a nice um it was such a nice break from constant 
threats of sexual assault where it's like at no point did I ever feel like she was going to be not in control or yes. have that happen to her. She was so she was so strong and in con- control. And that's why her giving in to the prince was such a big deal, because she was she was consenting. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to take her. She had to say, take me. Mm-hmm. And that's even more powerful than him. Him like we had with the Fury situation where it was dubious consent. There was never dubious consent in this book with our main characters, which I like. Yeah. Do you want to do lists? Oh, Goodreads? Yeah. Yeah. This is on less lists than I thought it would be, but then I guess it did only come out two years ago, so. Okay. You know, you got to get time to get on all the lists. Yeah. Uh, So, one, mythologies and retellings of fairy tales and classics. True. Yeah, definitely. Um, Best adult vampire books. Well... This is like kind of my first adult vampire book. So I would say it was good. I liked it a lot. Yeah. The sex was super hot. Yeah. Yeah. The sex was great. You you liked this. This was good sex good sex for you. <laughs> it was great sex for me. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I just make sure. Just make sure that what you're reading is you're getting satisfied by what you're reading. <laughs> no, it was really well and it was yeah, like like you said though, everything was going at a breakneck speed, but it did feel I don't know, but everything did feel plotted out well. Like mm-hmm. when the sex happened, when everything happened, it was a very stressful book for me because I didn't think they were going to get together and it was really making me stressed out. You need that happy ending, right? Like this yeah. is your, I came in the door to get a happy ending mm-hmm. and this wouldn't be a romance if it wasn't like it was going to happen. It just was. Yeah, but I didn't know how. Yeah. And that's the stress part. It I is. mean, that's why you read it. Cause you want to see how they end up together. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, if this was not a happy ending, instead of this podcast, it would just be like a low beeping tone. Just be like, no, podcast <laughs> this week. Gotta have PNRs slash UFs that don't suck. I'm lost. <laughs> PNRs? What do you think a PNR could mean? Uh, prince in royalty? Like Guns and Roses. <laughs> PNR? Yeah. Wait, read that again. Gotta have PNRs slash UFs that don't suck. PNRs and UFs that don't suck? Is this obvious? I didn't have to think about it, but maybe. That's why you are the expert <laughs> and I'm the acronym virgin. Think of what a PNR could be based on this book. Penis. I don't know. P and R? P and R. Not N as an and, but the letter. Yeah. yeah. Give me one word. The R is romance. UFs. Don't think about UFs. It's just P and R. But no, there's a UF at the end. No, P and R slash UF. So P and R is one thing and UF is something else. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. UF. What word starts with U? The word that it means. Ultimate fantasy? No. Fuck. But close. P and F. P and R. P and R. P and romance. <laughs> there's no there's no golden showers in this book. <laughs> Although I would read one of those. Mm. Okay, give me a, one more word. I mean it's paranormal romance. Paranormal okay, those aren't two words. Paranormal? It's not two words. It's one word. Yeah. Paranormal. 
that can can I get a the producer Patty? Yeah, that's bullshit. Thank you very much. Paranormal romance, mm-hmm. and then the U and F urban fantasy. Or it's not an urban fit. It's not because it's a slash. It's paranormal. But I've had this problem before with this list. They don't fit together. Either have a paranormal romance or an urban fantasy. Why is it either or? Who made this list? If you, you always made this ask list, li- like there's a pe- someone's name. Like I don't know who made these lists. Somebody had to start the list. Uh, I don't know. Here's what I'm going to do. If you started this list, please email us. We'll read your email on the mailbag episode, and we'll figure out why these two together. (laughs) Is this the peanut butter and jelly of romance, (laughs) urban, and paranormal? I don't understand why they fit together. I mean, to each their own, they can have the list if they want to have the list, but it's confusing. It's confusing for virgins. It is. And you don't want to confuse the virgins. No. You have to be straightforward with virgins. Yeah, you got to be like... Everything needs to be on the up and up. Getting your cherry pick should not be confusing. It should feel right, and it should be easy. Uh, Next list, Cinderella Romance. Okay, I mean, you explained that it's kind of like Cinderella. I still don't really see it all that much. I think Cinderella is also like an overly simple story. So I think it would be hard to have a novel that is Cinderella Mm -hmm. with the characters ever interacting. Because the whole thing about Cinderella is like once he puts the shoe on her foot at the end, then they like get married. There's no like tension there. If she would have left, I guess. Well, here's the thing with this is Cinderella left her blade Mm -hmm. because she was there not to uh, make love. She was there to kill. So he he keeps the blade and he's looking for the blade owner. So I do see the Cinderella, Cinderella thing. We came around. Yes. Um, it stays on the list. <laughs> Fairy tale retellings in fantasy, paranormal and science fiction, romance and urban fantasy. <laughs> no, it doesn't say urban fantasy. Yeah. It's all those things, I guess. <laughs> I zoned out towards the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a long list. It's too long of a mm. list, but yeah. Um, what are the tropes? Oh, where my phone at? <laughs> you just hear rustling papers. <laughs> Sorry, I brought my manifesto with me. I thought I'd read it on air. <laughs> that was the bullshit I was referring to earlier. All right. We have a legitimate ripped bodice. I always love when a bodice is actually ripped in their sex scene at the end. Mm-hmm. He tears that shit open. That was hot. I hate you. I love you. Prince. Royalty. Vampire. Uprising. Clueless hero, as we've established. Had no clue what was going on in his kingdom. Do It should have been some sort of undercover boss situation that they should have put him in. So he... Could be with the peasants and be out in the field and see what, 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 but he didn't do it. Evil mother, badass heroine. She was badass. Honey blood, <laughs> finger banging, <laughs> and vampires as an allegory for late stage capitalism. Let's talk about it. Yes. Yeah, so. When Aaron texted me, do you want to add anything to the notes? My text was, the vampires represent capitalism. That was it. 
which I do believe, I don't know if the author had this in mind, probably not, but I felt there was an allegory here because when you're looking at the use of gold in this book, gold is something that all of the vampires have hoarded because it can kill them. And once the peasants got some of the gold, they were able to fight back. So what this is, is just showing that there is a certain amount of people that have all the gold and we're fighting to get some of that gold so that we can either be equal or at least fight the bad people. And uh, as we all know, because we live in this society, it can feel like your blood's being sucked slowly. Yeah. And sometimes you're consenting to it because you have a little bit of luxury and you say, hey, you know, if I can see Stranger Things season three, yeah, maybe I'll give up a couple pints of blood. So that's how I felt when I so the the whole vampire thing and how it's hard for me to really root for the prince is I feel like once a vampire, always a vampire. OK, you know what I'm saying. So he's always going to be sucking something. Mm hmm. Could be titty. But it's going to probably be blood. Yeah. Arabella is just such a strong like she said, no, this isn't right. This isn't right. And now she's she's with the enemy. But he's not the enemy anymore. But like that's the whole thing. It's like now he is, is with he? her to fight his mom who's bad. I'm trying not to be biased against vampires because this this podcast is about me putting aside my old biases. And I tried my best. But a vampire is always a vampire no matter what. He's always going to want to suck your blood. Yeah. Always. You can't change. And I'm about change. I feel like people can change. I want to give people benefit of the doubt. But vampires are vampires. Period. It's a strong stance. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with this stance? That vampires are always vampires? Mm -hmm. Yes. But I don't feel like I... I mean, I like that allegory. I do think it makes sense for the book. I think it's like a really interesting way to think about it. I think him switching alliances and, and being there for the poor and trying to help them and bring them up and making sure that they're safe and not afraid. Like, I do think people can change. Um, my tropes. Come on, let's be professional. <laughs> my tropes vampire vampire prince star-crossed lovers rich hero poor heroine family drama royalty paranormal blood revolutionary heroine heroine is a freedom fighter faded mates i think there's more you think they were faded yes now they met and they were both like bang city but that was physical attraction that yeah. was the thing about this book too is that there, there's not much backing up their romance. It's not like they talk about stuff. I mean, they did talk, but it was all very plot-driven talk. They weren't able to have a lot of pillow talk time. But I think he admired her because she was a revolutionary, because she was standing up for people. Like, I did see him, that being an extra part of why he was attracted to her. Obviously, also, she had honey blood. There was, I do think there was a faded thing there, too. Yeah. But I do think a lot of it was, like, he was attracted to her because she was somebody who was standing up for what she believed in. And I think he had lived his whole life and never had to question anything. And I think he was attracted to somebody who was questioning. So this guy is like a guy who goes off to college, starts smoking cl uh, clove cigarettes. All of a sudden, he's reading Nietzsche or whatever, Nietzsche. And he changes his life. And then his dad gives him some job on Wall Street. And he says, oh, I don't smoke clove cigarettes anymore. I do cocaine. 
What are you talking about? <laughs> That's how this he, he no he no. is with her now. But who knows? Once they're living in a shack somewhere, whether he's going to be like, you know, what was good living in a castle and having people at my feet. You're so anti him. Just give him. A I'm not You're anti so him. Awful. Listen, I'm sure he had a great cock and he fucked her great. Yeah, he yeah, did. He, I know he did. And no horse cock. No. They don't talk about the cock, which we like here. Yeah. We like that he had a amorphous size cock. He could be any size cock we wanted him he to be. He knew how to use it, though, and that's what's important. He did know how to use it, which is good. Mm-hmm. So I just amuse I guess I'm just a vampire. I'm just a vampire There's hater. no vampire that you would love. No, I guess not. Wow. So this was an uphill ba- ba- battle to get well, you in no, this book. I mean, the thing is, I, I still liked I still liked the book. I thought the sex was hot. And that's, I think, the most important thing with these books. I mean, one of the most important things, right? I, it is if it's a, hot an important, and sexy. I mean, I think it's like, yeah, it's a extra. Yeah, I think it's extra. I don't think it's the most important thing. What's the most for you? What's the most important thing when you read a romance? The characters in the story. Okay. Which will it, good characters in a good story will lead you to good sex. Yeah, usually, but not always. Like I did read a book a few months ago where the heroine and hero had sex for the first time, and he came, and she was like, "You know what? I'm sure it'll be better next time." Was this a romance? Yeah. Whoa! I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, I you know, because it's not always, but great it was still a great book the first time because mm-hmm. you have to uh, develop a chemistry mm-hmm. and develop a trust. Where you can say what you want and what you don't want. Yeah. Yeah. It was The Governess Game by Tessa Dare. So if anyone wants to check out a lackluster first sex scene. <laughs> I mean, but it comes through and obviously Tessa Dare is a queen and she can write a good sex scene. That was a choice for her. That wasn't her not doing a good job. Um, <laughs> She's like, I, I wrote myself into a corner. Should I just have him apologize? <laughs> <laughs> she just like writing it and she's like, oh, this sex isn't going well. Oh, this isn't going well. <laughs> she just keeps going. Oh, no. Why do you do that? Oh, no. OK, I'm just going to have him apologize because I don't go back. No, she writes forward. <laughs> she's like a shark. She <laughs> never goes back. So, Clayton, what has you swooning this week? <laughs> so thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, what's I'm swooning, what I'm swooning about this week is a book. And it's uh, a book called Meet Me in the Bathroom. Mm. It is a oral history of the New York rock scene from 2001 to 2011. Oh. It's written by Lizzie Goodman. And it's, it's really awesome if anybody remembers music in the early 2000s in New York. It was The Strokes, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, Interpol, all those bands. I was in college. I was not living in New York City at the time. But I remember that being a huge deal and one of the reasons why I wanted to move to New York City. And it's same kind of book as one of my favorite books ever, which is a book called Please Kill Me, which is about punk in New York in the late 60s and early 70s. This is its, I guess, spiritual sequel in a way. It's the last time New York music was cool. Now, I guess people will say maybe there's something going on right now. I'm too old to know. (laughs) This is the stuff. That was the last time you were ever going to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, I still listen to a lot of music, yeah. but I'm not going to go see a show. No, come on. It's crazy. After 10 p.m.? No. no. Come on. I don't have the insoles for that. So anyway, this book is really great. Uh, if you're a fan of the music or if you're a fan of New York City, uh, it, it, is, it is a really cool read. 
And she did a ton of research for this book. It was like a labor of love. And, and I would recommend checking it out. Last night, she said, oh, baby, don't feel so down. I turn me off when I feel left out. So I, I turned around. Oh, baby, gonna be all right. It was a great big lie because I left that night. Yeah. Aaron. What are you swooning about this week? So mine is a, an extraordinarily popular thing, but I figured since you did a Star is Born, I can do this. Recommend something that everyone probably knows about, which is RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 4. Let the games begin. Friday, December 14th. All-Star rules have been temporarily <laughs> suspended. This is like the biggest, boldest move in All-Stars history. Shocking to me that there are people in this world who have not started watching RuPaul's Drag Race. I so basically what it is, RuPaul Charles, we all know, is drag queen. And it is 12 queens come and they compete, but they have to basically come up with a persona that's their drag persona, live in that persona, and then complete challenges living within that persona. The creativity is insane. These people are so talented. It's it's amazing. So funny. It's such a great show. And so All-Stars is basically favorites from each of the seasons that didn't win. Now they compete to win the All-Star crown. And then as a companion to that, there's a podcast that I love that is talking about RuPaul's Drag Race, and it's called Race Chasers. <laughs> nice. A race chaser is somebody who wants to, who's basically a RuPaul's Drag Race groupie. And it is two of the most famous drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race. So it's Alaska 5000 and Willem. And they just talk about the episodes. And what I love is these two people who have gone through the machine and they have seen how the sausage works. Alaska it won All-Stars 2. Um, still have so much joy and are so excited about it and so fangirling over everything. And it just really makes me happy that something like this exists in the world. So if you ha are one of the 12 to 14 people who haven't watched RuPaul's Drag Race yet... <laughs> do it it's great it's so fun you'll it's easy to jump in nice all right now the little music starts doop, doop, doop. so don't forget to rate review subscribe also email us your questions because we're going to do that mailbag soon um you can email us at learning the tropes podcast at gmail.com uh you can message us on twitter at learning tropes or on instagram at learning the tropes um we also have facebook learning the tropes we don't do much over there it's hard for us we're spread very thin um, well, we just got a lot thinner because we now have a Spotify <laughs> oh, profile. Oh, did it. Yeah. I created a Spotify account that is Learning the Tropes. What you're going to find on there is the albums that we've mentioned uh, on the podcast so far, some of the songs we've mentioned, and I'm also starting to make playlists for people our listeners if they want to listen to them because mm -hmm. I'm a big playlist guy and it's a great avenue to do that so right now if you go to Spotify learning the tropes you'll be able to listen to Swoon Songs Volume 1 which is some songs from the artists that we've mentioned it on the podcast and then some extra songs from some bands that I've been listening to while we've been recording these awesome. not physically while we're talking no. But during the time we've been doing these. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So check us out on Spotify. Um, our next episode is a listener recommendation. 
We're very excited. It is Smut by Karina Hale. So we'll read that. Everybody go pick that up, read it, and then we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.